welcome to another episode of Is It Beer Yet? Our special series from NewsAz.com, all about a struggling home brewer. That is me, of course, if you haven't heard this before. I guess I'm about seven or eight months into the hobby now, still learning, uh, really learn every time I brew, and still continue to learn outside of those brew days, because it is a it is the fascinating hobby, hobby I thought it would be. I almost said hobby. I wonder why that's on my mind talking about brewing. Anyway, this episode is another Halloween special in a sense because I was it's another news as experimental recipe. I was trying to come up with a holiday a Halloween themed brew that I might be able to do every year. As predicted from the last two episodes, we did run out of one of the kegs during our Halloween Horror Nights weekend. In fact, the surprisingly, we ran out of Carnival of Carnage first. I really thought the uh, Chance one would go first, but nope. We ran out of Carn- Carnival of Carnage, so everything worked out just right. We ran out just a couple days before I needed to keg this, so it all worked out like I kind of thought it would. That's why I want to get another beer on deck. So what I really wanted to do um, was get a blood orange recipe going. Uh, if you've heard our, I guess it's a summer beer episode of Best of Fives, my favorite beer of the summer, and really one of my favorite beers of all time, is More Moro by Funky Buddha Brewery, which is a Central Florida brewery. Or it's actually, a, I think it's a Southern Florida brewery. Central Southern. Somewhere around there, actually. And it's a Blood Orange IPA. I wasn't trying to mimic this. I just wanted to try to include Blood Orange. Blood Oranges, as I think I said in some of these recordings, are a little pricey to get online. I think maybe Whole Foods or Fresh Market might carry them, but I didn't check And I'm not really ready at the point to start adding other organics into this. I already got my hands full with hops and grains. So I found a recipe that used uh, a candied blood orange orange candied syrup. Now, I altered the grains and the hops pretty much right off the bat because I kind of knew what I wanted that base to be. But I included the... I didn't alter it too much. It's still similar to the recipe. You could see how one was inspired by the other. But the main thing was to try the candied syrup. And uh, uh, it, was a, it's a, it was kind of a safe way to try. I didn't have to chop up a bunch of oranges. I didn't have to ship in a bunch of expensive oranges from online or even go shopping for the oranges. So that is what I tried first. And uh, I guess I'm not really going to say much more because obviously you've heard the show before. If you haven't heard the show before, everything's going to evolve out in front of you here from the getting the grains together to the brew to the kegging, to the tasting, and then at the end, you'll know exactly how everything turned out. So, with that set up, I guess we're ready to go. The name of the beer this time is Newsaz.com Hollow Brew Blood Ale 2016. I put the 2016 on there knowing pretty much, regardless of how this came out, I was going to do something again different next year. I'll probably, hopefully, get the skill level and the confidence level up to actually try using real oranges, blood oranges uh, specifically. But... With that all said and all set up, here we go. Here is the recordings for NewsAz.com Hallow Brew Blood Ale 2016. Good morning, world, or afternoon, or evening, or whenever you're listening to this. It is early Saturday morning, quite early. It is a brew day. I just cracked open an energy energy drink to wake up, as you can see. I'm already tripping over my own tongue. Not quite there yet, but it is a brew day, so I gotta get started early. It's also the day after Hurricane Matthew. Like literally, it was just here yesterday. 
as far as the central Florida area, it wasn't as bad as they predicted, which is good. I'm just, you know, it was, wasn't like that for the, all the, everyone that was hit by it, but for us, it was, uh, that's how it was. So that's good. Um, the other good thing about that is that it's created a pretty beautiful day today. Sun is out. Sky is blue, real blue. Uh, not much of it. Well, there's clouds in the sky, but not like, <laughs> I don't even know what this, how to describe. They're like this thin wisps of sky. It looks like someone took a white paintbrush and, and wet it down and just put these big streaks across the sky. And the temperature is great because there was no sun beating down on Orlando for two full days. Uh, downside, the ground out back is wet. Right, walk back and forth to clean my stuff, but I'll take that. It's going to be a beautiful brew day. Um, that's about all I can say until I actually get out there. What I'm doing today is I'm going to go ahead and do the Halloween-themed brew. I still have two full kegs for the Halloween Horror Nights weekend, which has not happened yet. It's next weekend. i got to believe that with all the people that are coming for it, at least one of those kegs will be empty, if not both. So I'm going to roll the dice and think that by the time this is done fermenting, it'll be I'll have a keg to put it in. If not, I'll cross that boat. Cross that boat. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Float that boat. I don't know where a boat came into that. Um, I also have, I do have the, if you've heard this show before, you also know I have a five gallon keg that I, uh, use to keg, to rack and keg. So I guess I could use that if needs be, but anyway, need be. Wow. I am uh, messing up my phrases. Hold on a second. I'm going to take a little drink here of my energy drink. I think that's the problem. All right. Get a little more caffeine in there as I ramble. Okay. So it is a news as. Hollow Brew Blood Ale. At least it's just another test recipe. You may never hear this again. You may hear about it every year. It is a blood orange uh, beer, but not. I'm not using blood oranges, raw blood, or whatever you call them. I'm not using natural blood oranges because that's a little pricey of a gamble right now in my experience level as a brewer. So I found a recipe that uses. Uh, Cascade beer candy syrup, which is a, uh, it's a, like a flavoring. Um, it's got pure cane sugar, water, and natural blood orange flavoring. So not a whole lot to it. I haven't tasted it yet. It's sealed up. I'm guessing it's going to be sweet with some tart flavor to it. I don't know that I'm going to get the exact blood orange flavor I want from it, but we'll see. Uh, like I said, it was a cheaper alternative to try than getting a bunch of blood oranges because they're not cheap because we don't have any locally even at the whole foods which i thought would have them they don't at least not this time of year and getting them uh like through mail order was expensive to try on a test recipe uh the recipe i wanted to try an ipa that's where i found this cascade um uh i learned about the syrup (laughs) so it says big cascade label on the side that's where i learned about the syrup but i'm just finishing up a um, IPA, or will be finishing up an IPA with Halloween Horror Nights, so the Halloween Horror Nights brews, so I decided to try something different. I don't know how this is going to go. I pulled a pale ale recipe. So it's going to be a blood orange pale ale. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Let me run through the grain bill, and then we'll get to brewing. So, 3.8 pounds, or sorry, 3 pounds, 8 ounces of pale mill, 2 row malt, 
one point or what did it again? One pound seven ounce of pale malt uh, Maris Otter pale malt, and then one pound four ounces of Munich two. Uh, that's it. That is, I think, the least amount of grains I've used in a brew yet on this show. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not. I don't really have much to say other than that. I'm curious to see how it comes out. Obviously, uh, hops. We've got six hops on board. Six. I'm sorry. Six hop drops ready to go of three different types of hops. Uh, first is going to be this. I've never done this before. First is going to be a first wort hop drop, and that is supposed to be a hop addition as I pull the wort from the mash tun. Well, not using a mash tun. I'm going to brew in a bag today because, as usual, I'm limited on time. So what I'm going to do is drop these two hops in the second I pull the bag out. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be long enough or what the first wort hop drop is uh, intended to be, but we'll try it. We'll see. Could work. May not work. But anyway... What the hops are, it's 0.27 ounces each of Cascade hops and the German one I always have the trouble saying Hallertu. That's probably wrong, but it's H-A-L-L-E-R-T-A-U. I apologize to anyone that knows actually how to say that word. I do not. Then when we get to the boil, that's when we start adding some more hops. I said there are six. That's just only two. Actually, we're only doing three in the boil and a dry hop. So where's my list? I have lost my... Oh, there we go. Okay, so... Oh, I read that wrong. Not that it's... Not that... If you're following the recipe, I take that back. The the, the hops were right. It's Cascade and the Holler 2, but they're 0.41 ounces on the first wort uh, drop. During the boil, it's going to be 0.27 hours first of Holler 2 for, 60, for the entire 60 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes is 0.27 ounces of Cascade hops. Then the final hops are... Why does that seem like I'm short hops? Oh, no, I'm not. Okay, take it back. I really need to have all my caffeine before I record. Then there's going to be a 10-minute steep, and it's a half ounce, 0.50 ounce of citra. So that means after the boil's done, after the flame-outs, or at flame, it's basically a flame-out, I'll turn the heat off, the boil will stop, and I'll drop that in for 10 minutes, and then kind of let it sit there while I'm cooling, I guess. I don't know. I haven't done a steeping it so that's what i'm gonna try that's, that's how i'm gonna do it again might be wrong might not uh or might work out we'll see and then last but not least finally finally accounting for all six hops that i've laid out here a five-day dry hop again of citra so uh the only uh, what do i say here the only thing i kind of altered here is in the steep i uh, for some reason i bought an ounce of citra but i may have mismeasured on the one and i was about 0.05 ounces short of on one of the drops, so I put in the. La- I had some extra cas- cascade hops. So I dropped a couple little cascade hop pellets in the steeping citra hop. I'm gonna do, and then it's all citra for the dry hop. I kind of. I don't think that's gonna make that big of a difference, but figured what the heck. I had. I was a little short on one and had more of the other, so why waste them? Because with that little bit left over, it's just gonna go into trash eventually anyway. So uh, you probably noticed I didn't say the word palisade hops in there. I would. Let me. S- I'm not giving up. I would use it had I had some. I'm out of them. And I bought all the all the ingredients for this grain bill, like as I just read it. And then when I went to see where I would put the Palisade hops in, didn't matter because I didn't have any. So there you go. I probably would have put them in at a five-minute, whatever I had, like maybe 0.25 ounces at a five-minute boil and just go with an aroma hop on them. But I don't have them, so I can't. 
Uh, oh, one thing I didn't say, and that's there's a reason for it. I never said where I added the blood orange syrup. That is because it is going in the secondary fermentation. I've talked probably every episode about doing a secondary fermentation, and I've never done it. This time I have to. So after about four or five days, whenever that like crazy activity stops on the fermentation, I'm going to siphon it into siphon it out of my glass carboy, my main. It's a four gallon carboy, and I have a three and a half gallon plastic carboy. I'm going to use this, the plastic carboy as the secondary because there shouldn't be any krausen from that. So there shouldn't be any overflow. So no blow, no chance of a blowout. So going to have to do a secondary uh, fermentation for once. So no longer a theory. Got to actually do it. All right. That is it. I think the rest is getting set up for mashing, then right to the boil. And then you know the rest from there, but we'll go through it together. So... All right, I'm going to start gathering up my gear and head outside. All right, starting off with just a little bit of a, I was going to say scare, but that might be an exaggeration. The um, second pot I used to uh, boil the, uh, or not boil, but heat up a, a gallon of sparge water for when I pulled the grain bag out, when I, it had the, had the lid on it, <clears throat> excuse me, when I pulled the lid off, there was like a little layer of water underneath there. And smelled a little musty inside. Not moldy, but musty. So I gave it a good cleaning, a good scrubbing. Now I got it filled up with water, not uh, tap water, not uh, regular water. I got it on the burner. I'm going to bring it to a boil. It should only take like 10, 15 minutes with that small of a pot and let that boil for like tw- however long it takes, at least 20 minutes. So I get everything else up and going just to make sure it's okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't think anything's wrong with it. I'm going to look that up too while it's boiling. Um, in fact, I'm not even going to use this until I know for sure, but, uh, I'm doing that to kind of try to save it in case something didn't happen to it. I have another pot. It's bigger. It's five gallon pot that I used to do, uh, stove brewing with when I was first learning. So I'm going to pull that out for the sport, sparge water brew just to be safe. But in the meantime, I'm going to look up and see if I did anything to this pot. It's a stainless steel stock pot. So I think, I think if, uh, there was anything growing in it that I couldn't see microscopic size wise, I'm okay, but I don't know what happened. I'm, I, I know Quentin and I cleaned out everything. Um, and I always talk about how to clean things up as you're doing it because it makes it easier with all the sugars and sticky stuff involved. So, I mean, we must have uh, rinsed it and then not wiped it out or not even dumped out all the water completely. And then I put a cover on it and didn't notice. And now it's sat there for two weeks. So that's my theory. Uh, I saw no signs of water. I went out just to make sure. There wasn't some kind of weird leak. Um, our water heater is out there, and you never know with the roof on any house. Uh, looked around. It's, it wasn't that. It's not like some kind of weird leak just hit that pot. I just think we left water in by accident. So uh, be a little careful. Now be a little careful. <laughs> this time, I'll, after I dump out the, the uh, rinse water, I'll give it a wipe down so there's nothing standing in there. I mean, it's okay if there's like a little layer, as you probably know, because it'll evaporate in just a few minutes. But this was not a little enough to evaporate, apparently. So... That's one to tell that story because that has been part of my brew day so far. Okay, uh, I boiled off that water in that pot at about probably 15 minutes by the time I was done. And I went ahead, I said I want to do 20, but let's <laughs> do 15. I'll look up exactly what I need to do with that pot. I, I as I already said, decided I'm not going to use that pot anyway, just out of safety. But when I was done, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can go ahead and start getting my strike water ready while I go in and get my sanitizing 
fluid or whatever you want to call it solution together because there's nothing in this pot I have to sanitize. And that's what I did. So I dumped in the five gallons. I got those going as you can hear, I think. That is me putting hot water in a five gallon bucket so I can mix sanitizer. So uh, it's about there. I'm going to not turn it off yet. Getting close. Um, Actually, yeah, let me turn it off. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> so a new aspect of the show. Doing I have never done the sanitizer bit before, I don't think. So um, I did want to talk about the water quick. I am using spring water, like one-gallon jugs. And I've seen some people complain, oh, I don't like the plastic taste that they give. I've never tasted a plastic taste in these bottles. Maybe it's this particular brand, the store I get it from. Maybe I don't taste it, but I do know it's a hell of a lot better than our tap water. And that's one of the things I love about this hobby and the two major hobbies I have, podcasting and brewing. There's no real set rules. There's not anything I actually have to do necessarily. I mean, there is for sanitation and for kegging. I mean, you need, there's commonalities, let's say. Uh, but the way I make this particular beer, I could give this grain bill to someone else and they might do it a completely different way. And we have a, sim- a similar, if not the same product at the end. Same with podcasting. You can record one way. You can have a short format one way. Edit it the way you feel comfortable. As long as you have an MP3 at the end and you have all your ducks in order to get it online, you have your podcast. As long as you kept everything sanitary and you've carbonated and you fermented, you have beer at the end. So that's the thing I love about these two hobbies is that there's no real rules and Apart from the commonalities and some of the things you have to do to get your results, that's the, I, I really enjoy that about these two hobbies. And I hate the other thing I hate about the two hobbies are the people that have their ways and say you cannot do it any other way because that's wrong. But that's just that's not these hobbies. That's all hobbies and a lot of things I guess in life. Not to sound philosophical, but for me, the freedom of getting to my end beer, of getting to the final recording of my podcast, and I'm kind of doing both at the same time. I think that's why these two hobbies have stuck with me the longest. Now, podcasting has been years. This has been months. But I don't see brew beer, or beer brewing going anywhere anytime soon. And a lot of it has to do with that freedom. So just wanted to add that in in case you're listening and you haven't started it yet and you want to. It's an incredibly um, – once you learn how it's done, which didn't take long, and I have no idea how to cook or do anything in chemistry, and here I am already – on the verge of making my own recipes. In fact, the next show is going to be one, a collaboration with someone who has never done it before. That's how just, that's just saying how much I've learned in these few months. Um, you can, if I, bottom line, if I can learn it, if you can learn it. If you know what you like to drink in a beer, you can be a brewer because you'll get there eventually through trial and error. So, Oh, there's an alarm for something completely unrelated. So that's also telling me to shut up. You're talking too much. So I'll be back with more of the brew. Right, right after this noise clip. Okay, slight emergency just a moment ago. I couldn't find the grains. Uh, it's part of the story I haven't told you today. I had measured the grain or weighed the grains and the hops at about 4.30 in the morning this morning. My wife had to get up at 4 o'clock and go to work. She's got some post-hurricane stuff to uh, attend to at her job. <clears throat> so she had to get there early. So since I was up... I was like, you know what? That'll save some time in the overall day. I'll measure them now, go back to bed, and then brew. I went to the kegerator, which is where I keep the grains, because I have a nice, like, 
foot and a half high shelf space in there to keep milled grains cool and they were gone i'm like because that's where i intended to put them I'm like what the hell then I remembered, I was like, oh, I didn't want to get them down to 40 degrees before I dumped them into strike water, and I put them in a microwave. Finding them didn't go as fast as that story went, because I'm still not done my energy drink, but I found them. So the strike water, where are we at? Um, we're getting close. It is at 130. I'm going for 159, and then we'll be uh, mashing here very shortly. Yeah, I got two new toys to play with today that I'll probably talk about. Or, well, I don't know. One I'll talk about now. Just get out of the way. It is a plastic food-grade brewer's paddle. You've probably seen these. They kind of look like the shape of a oar, but they're plastic with holes in the bottom. Or, not holes in the bottom, but holes in the where the paddle would be so you can mix. I used to have, I still have it. I used to use a stainless steel spoon, which was great. I had no complaints with the way it worked, but... I was listening to another homebrew podcast, and they're talking about sanitation, and they're talking about how this star sand, this acid-based sanitizer, doesn't necessarily sanitize stainless steel. I, I take it back. What they were talking about led me to believe that's what they were saying, but they never actually said that, that phrase. And I emailed the guy, and I hate, I hate, I'm going to say this right now. I hate when I email other podcasters and they won't answer my question because it's like trade secrets or something. If you don't want to answer me, tell me you can't answer me for whatever reason. Just don't ignore me. I think I can say that because it's been two damn weeks. But anyway, sorry. I'll get off my soapbox there. So I went ahead and ordered this brew paddle anyway because, uh, yeah, what the heck. Better safe than sorry and looks cool. Makes me look like I know what I'm doing. Still don't, but it makes me look like it. The other thing I got was a refract refractometer. This I'm going to use to me measure the uh, starting gravity and the finishing gravity. And I will talk more about that when I... Uh, open it up and use it. So I'm just looking at it again, make sure I said it right. It is refractometer. It sounds like a made up word, but that's what it's called. I'll talk, like I said, when we get to that point, when I measure the starting gravity, um, I'll tell you more about that. So uh, strike water still coming up the temperature. So almost there, almost ready to drop the grains in. All right, so I had some time to spare before the strike water got up the temperature, so I went ahead and rinsed out the carboy. It had a uh, OxyClean solution in it for the past few days. So I dumped that out and rinsed it really well, really, really well. OxyClean is a great product for cleaning out anything that gets like that Krausen or any or the uh, some of your uh, trube or yeast or whatever that gets could stick to it uh, especially if you're using glass if it's already if it's already sticking to glass you know it's stuck there oxyclean is an awesome product to get it off but you got to rinse it out well i've heard a lot about how it produces off flavors if you don't i haven't experienced that but it certainly stands the reason because after you dump it out there is a you can feel it if you ever use it even at the proper measurements even at a little low after you dump it out, kind of feel the inside of the uh, whatever container you're using. There's a film on there, and that tells me pretty much what they're saying has got to be true because there's got to be something to make it that kind of consistency and stick and stay inside the uh, edge of the glass. So I give it a real good rinse with hot water. going to pour in about six cups of sanitizing solution, lit it up, and then shake the hell out of it uh, about well, probably when I'm at the boil before I'm ready to... Uh, uh, transfer siphon it into the uh, carboy so hopefully strike water is up here soon and i can get going we'll see all right the grains are in and the mash has begun i got the 
uh, brew pot all nice and wrapped in that reflex six, six whatever it's called, in with the moving blanket thrown on top of it. So that should hold the heat nicely. I have my timer set for 75 minutes. Um, we'll see if the temperature right now it says 160, but I know the thermometer is wrong by three degrees on the high side. So it's at 157. I want it down around 154, 152 range. So when I check it in a little bit here, if it, I should say in a half hour, if it isn't down. So what is that? 150, I'll be 157 I want to see on the thermometer. <laughs> I got to get a better thermometer. Uh, if it's not there, it's going too high. I'll uncover it and let it cool down. But three degrees is not that big a deal. I mean, it does make a chemical difference. Um, I've been reading about it just so I understand why this temperature is so uh, specific. But it's not terrible. It could be worse if it was was actually one 60 or above, then it starts getting bad. But so, uh, and if it is below that, I should say, actually, if it's right, where was I going with that? I was, I led into one conversation from another, which happens all the time. Okay, so if it's at the 150 range, 154 range I want, I'll let it go for 75 minutes. If it's a little high, I'll uncover it, still go for probably uh, 60 minutes. And if it's below that, I'll probably still go. 75 minutes so it's all depends on whether it's too high is what it comes down to it's not going to get too low unless a rainstorm comes in and soaks that blanket and makes it cold but <laughs> i almost said that's probably not going to happen but i've shouldn't i have learned in the past two three episodes not to say that because that could very well happen so i'm not going to say anything i kind of did but i didn't i didn't so I'm looking at the sky like it's listening to me. I, it's a good thing this isn't video. So anyway, I'll be back probably when I pull the grains and put in that uh, that first wart hop, which is a something new for me. Okay, I'm on my ice run. And if you've heard the show before, you know all about that. That is how I cool down the wart um, after the boil. So I'm on my way to the store. This, this is going to be... Interesting. Either it's going to be interesting or it's just going to be an average ice run. I say interesting because, like I said in an earlier recording, this is the day after Hurricane Matthew. So I'm expecting three scenarios. One, that uh, there might not be any ice. They might have sold out. Two, um, maybe they overstocked again. Like last time I went and got ice, last time a hurricane was coming, and it might be buy two, get one, or buy one, get one, or some, some kind of sale. Probably not because the hurricane actually hit this time. It didn't last time, and that's why they were trying to clear it out. Or the third scenario, there'll be ice like any other day, and it doesn't matter it's the day after the hurricane because they, they got it. So we'll see. I also have to uh, pick up a birthday card for our neighbor's little boy. He's turning two today. And I'm actually, as I remembered, I had to get that, that I told my wife I'd pick that up, that I, I was a little surprised at myself that with all the events I'm keeping in mind while brewing beer that that idea didn't come into my head to celebrate his birthday with a beer but that's probably for the best because I could see me you know buying the grains and they ask what I'm doing and I say I'm brewing a beer for a two-year-old boy the next thing that they'd probably answer is you have the right to remain silent as they put my hands behind my back so probably good that my creativity was uh, not as good as I think it is or not as out of control is probably a better word as I think it is it's probably not as good as I think it is either but I'll delude myself and think it is pretty good. But anyway, on my way to get ice, uh, gas as well. Another side story. I did not get gas before the hurricane because I thought I'd be smart. And I was like, oh, I'll just get gas at like 
11 o'clock at night the night before while everyone else was waiting in line. Well, guess what? Everyone that waited in line ran out all the gas in town, so I wasn't so smart after all. That doesn't have anything to do with being creative. That does be with being stupid, which I've never claimed not to be. So, But I imagine the gas pumps probably are full again, or the, I mean, I know they don't fill the pumps. I'm not that stupid, but I'm sure the stations have gas again, so I'm going to get some gas while I'm out as well. In fact, I'm pulling up on one now, and it looks like they have some, so I'm actually not in the right lane to turn in, but I know that I can come here on the way back, and I'm going to pass two anyway under the gas station. They probably got gas as well, so that is my ice-slash-gas-slash-birthday-card adventure preface. The results, I guess, will be next. Okay, I'm returning from my ice slash birthday card slash gas adventure. First and foremost, I did not get gas. I'm not going to get gas on this trip because now all the gas stations I passed actually have gas. I figure I'll get that later. I got to go out again tonight, so no fear of it. I've got over a quarter of a tank. I wasn't really hurting for gas yet, so now I'm not in such a big hurry. I've um, got my ice. The, it was a four scenario. It was neither, none of the three that I had mentioned. They were almost out of ice, but they weren't out. All they had were 20-pound bags, uh, and they were about half full of what they usually have in stock out in the store in the ca- in the case. I don't know what they have in the back, but that's what I usually get anyway. Got two bags of that, and so that's good. And I did get the birthday card, if you're wondering. Um, the only one that they had for a two-year-old boy was a 101 Dalmatians card, and I figured that half this party is going to be from this area, I think, anyway, so he probably already has three of those waiting for him. So I got like a general birthday card with little cartoon dogs in the front that said, happy birthday, and then you open it, said from every dog on one of us, and then when you open it, the tails wag. He's two. He won't care about any of this. And why why I'm telling this story in a beer podcast, I have no idea. But putting closure on where I started, so I guess. So anyway, headed back now, see what the temperature is. We have at least another probably 40 minutes ish for the uh oh wait that's if, if we're doing 75 i don't have my I, where's my timer uh i shouldn't look at this when i'm driving never mind let's start this all over again i'll just start the uh time pickup so probably another i don't have my timer in front of me and my my uh, phone's in my pocket and I'm not going to dig for it while I'm driving, but I think like another 30 minutes. I waited out the first 15 minutes to see if the temperature would drop, which it did a couple of degrees. It should definitely be in the that 154 to 152 range. Maybe a little lower because I took the, the blanket off the top to let it cool, but I don't think it'll be much cooler if it is because the I have it wrapped in that insulation. But if it is, I will throw the blanket back on and let it sit for the entire 75 minutes. But we're almost, if we are going with just the hour, which if it's not below 154 or on that, again, wrong thermometer, 157, then we'll pull it at 60. So either way, I'm probably not going to record temperature reading. So we'll probably get to when I pull the grains and am putting in the first hops, I think, unless something else even remotely interesting happened between now and then, which you never know. But now that I set that up, probably ain't going to happen. Okay, quick update on temperature readings, even though I said I wasn't going to do it, but <laughs> this was pretty uh, noteworthy. I came home and the temperature is exactly right where I want it. It is at, on the thermometer, 156, which is 153. And who knows, that could be another 
degree off or so, but I actually double checked it with the the big what do you call it? Uh, I don't even know what you would call it. It's the big long thermometer that you would stick in a kettle. It came with it because this is a this is supposed to be a frying pot. Uh, it's a thermometer. It's got a dial thermometer on top of it, but I don't know what you call the big long one. Anyway, I, I double checked the temperature. It's right where I wanted it, so I threw the. Um, Moving blanket back on. I'm gonna let it go for the entire 75 minutes now. So that's where we're at. Which I was kind of happy. I was hoping it'd be low. I was actually expecting it to be a little lower since I left it uncovered all that time. But it's right where I want it. So we're gonna go with the whole 75 minute mash time before we get to the boil. Okay, I haven't pulled the grains yet, but I was gonna talk a little bit on the subject of ice since we just talked about buying it. Um, I mean, that's an added ex expense to the overhead. And I have been thinking about getting a wart chiller, but here's the issue. The tap water from a wart chiller um, from my house is not a good temperature. In fact, I'm finding out right now what it is, so I'm going to record it. I just drew some water from the back tap of the house where I would what I would use for a wart chiller. Let it run for like a good minute and then put some in cups. So this is the direct reading. And it is reading 77, 77.8 degrees before it finally levels out. That is like almost 10 degrees warmer than you got to get the wart down to. I got to dump this water out. Hold on a second. Yep. Yeah, water on top of water from the hurricane. Anyway, um, so what I would have to do if I got a wart chiller, I would have to get a sub pump and put it in ice water. So now we're talking about, uh, let's say, Rough numbers, $100 for a wart chiller, $100 for a sub pump. That's $200. I still need to buy ice because the tap water isn't cold enough. Now, I mean, I guess I could make ice. Uh, my, my freezer makes ice, but um, is it going to be enough? Probably not. It historically hasn't been when I tried doing it at home. So we'll say every batch will still require a bag of ice so that's another expense so that is let's say that's the that's the three dollars it costs for the bag of ice so now we got um what does that come out to that is two hundred dollars oh geez if we divide that by well let's see i'm spending let's say i'm spending ten dollars on ice two hundred what is that that's so if i do i'd have to do 20 batches well, wait, uh, hold on. Yeah, no, 20 batches to break even on not buying ice. But then I add ice to that, so that is $13. So well, I'm not going to do 20 batches in a year. I may, oh, Let's take it back. I might do 20 batches in a year, but it's another $3. So let's see, that's $60. So now we're still – the math isn't working in the favor of getting a work chiller and a sub pump and having more gear lying around and more to clean where I can just get – now I'm down to like – I based uh, the ten dollars after getting three bags. I'm down to getting two. I think I got this down now, so that's even more so. So I think, even though a wart chiller is what predominantly most brewers getting to the experience level and past the experience level I have use, I don't think I'm going to go that route only because I don't have a good cold source of water. I mean, that's not cold enough. Seventy-eight is not cold enough. It's probably going to get the wart down to about. 80 or more and then i'd have to do ice so one way or another ice is going to have to be put in the mix and additional gear and more to clean up and take care of whereas i can get down i can get this down i'm down to 20 minutes or less getting this down i could probably the more i better i get at this the more i learn how to kind of start with the water and the 
uh, I used to make sure I can probably get down to 15 minutes. That's not much slower than a work chiller is going to be, especially in this weather. You've got to keep in mind that the ambient temperature is always going to be higher than most people that use those are, are, are used to. So I think, I don't think I'm going to invest any money in a work chiller for a while. There's a couple other things I want to get anyway, and I'm doing pretty well with the ice. And I think that is the, actually, in the long run, the more economical thing to do, at least for the next year or so. Just wanted to, uh, I wanted to take the time to figure that out for myself and go ahead and record it and share that's uh, why that is the decision I'm coming to. I'll probably actually work on those numbers a little bit more to know exactly what I'm looking at. But those are the numbers off the top of my head. And it doesn't seem, doesn't seem like it's going to save me any money. And it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to save me any time. So I think we're going to stick with the ice bath. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess, in this case. So, all right, uh, another 20 minutes till I pull the grains, and that will probably be next. But, again, here I go, promising one thing and something else comes up. So, we'll see. Okay, just pulled the grains and almost forgot to put the first ward hops in. But remember, just as I had the grain bag in the air, putting the condor under. Let's see if we can do the usual, do you hear the uh, grains draining thing here? probably heard that you might even heard the flame of the uh last of the sparge water heating up that's just got a few more degrees then i'll start sparging this but it's still draining so i still got time i'm gonna do a quick measurement see how many gallons i got without sparging let's see i've got just over four so i want to get it to like about five and a half if i remember correctly or uh no i guess i can't I only have a gallon. Of, wait, let me measure that again. So I've got, wow, I've got exactly four and a half. That's crazy. I mean, we're talking exactly. So I'll sparge another gallon on there. That'll be five and a half, and that's going to get me. Well, actually, it's not as hot as it was last time, so I might not boil down to three. It might get them to uh, closer to four, between three and four gallons, but. Better more than less. Again, I'm not in any, uh, what do you say? I'm not quite at the skill level of efficiency. So I'll see what I can get out of this. So, all right, I'm putting everything in the sanitizer. We're getting ready for that. Of course, I don't have to really sanitize yet because I'm going to boil. But, well, more sanitation time, better than less. So um, not much more to do here other than sparge for the boil. So I guess I'll stop and get that going and then be back at the boil. Okay, we are just about at a boil. Well, we're boiling, I guess, but not a rolling boil. I did my usual uh, hot break protein skim, which I'm kind of doubting is as effective as I thought it was, judging by the amount of trube I had in the Chance 3D IPA. But then again, that was the most active yeast I have had so far in all brewing, so it may have been part, partly because of that. I'm going to go ahead and do it. This time, and when the rolling boil starts, I got one hop that is going to last a whole 60 minutes. It's that Hallertau, Hallertau, the German one I can never say. My sister, I'm sure, is listening to this, raising, raising her fist in the air, my terrible pronunciation, but it's uh, the German hop. We'll call it the German hop from now on because I think I got it one more time to add. So, um, looks like the roll is going to be like another two minutes, and then I will drop in the hop. I'll nudge the heat down, the flame down a little bit and we should be good for a 60 minute boil 
Okay, boil is away. It is rolling and I got my timer started. Got my Haller towel. I'm going to look that up one day. Haller towel uh, hops in there. I don't have anything to do for 30 minutes. And that's a new addition. If you heard me read off the recipe, you'll realize I didn't say anything at 30 minutes. I changed the recipe on the fly here after doing some reading, waiting for this boil to come up to, or this wort to come up to boil. And I'll explain it when I get to the 30 minutes. But right now, I've got some cleaning up to do. You can probably hear the lawnmower. My neighbor's mowing the lawn, which is no problem, which means there's wild yeast being kicked up into the air. So there's gonna be wild yeast in this wort, but that's okay because the wild yeast can't survive the boiling process. The issue, it's not even really an issue, but the thing is my grain bag is sitting here and that's collecting wild yeast. So these grains, spent grains, are going to ferment a little bit in the trash because the trash doesn't get picked up for the next four days. So I'm going to go ahead and bag it as soon as I can. It's already a little too late. The yeast is in there. There's going to be wild yeast in it no matter what. It's just in the air. It's Florida. It's a very polleny, yeasty, uh, moldy air uh, state. That's the way it is. But what I do is I dump it out as well as I can into one bag, tie that off, leave it, give it a little room so that if it does ferment, it shouldn't ferment to a great amount, but if it does ferment, the gases can kind of build. Then I put it in a second bag, a yard trash bag, because the, the reason is the temperatures this is, that wild yeast is actually going to ferment at are a little high. And when you stress out the yeast, that's when you get the bad flavors and the bad smells. So I don't the bad smells is what I'm trying to contain because we're going to get some uh, nasty, nasty fermented smell. So I double bag it, and that usually holds off the worst of the smells until trash, trash day. So that's what I'm going to do now. And that won't take 30 minutes, but it'll take some time. And after that, I'll be back with the recipe alteration I just mentioned at the beginning of this recording. One thing worth noting of today's brew, which is different from the last few episodes you heard, if not all the episodes at this point, I am not drinking a home brew along with this um, brewing process, mainly because I don't have any. I say it like that because I do. I have two kegs, but they're for the party that starts in five days. So I don't really, even though one beer shouldn't hurt, I don't want to even really touch that reserve. I don't have anything bottled. So to make up for it, I am going to Halloween Horror Nights tonight. And they do have an event brew of their own called uh, Clown Crew Brew. I think that's it. And I've not had it yet. So I think I'll get one of those and record that tasting for this episode. If you've learned, listened to any of the news as stuff over the years, there's always one series. that We have a series about Halloween Horror Nights. But there's always one that has like a... Halloween Horror Nights cameo. It's almost become an Easter egg, I think, at this point. I didn't intend it to, but it is. So here's the Easter egg, or here will be the Easter egg, I think, for Halloween Horror Nights this year. It'll be my Clown Crew Brew review. So I'm going to record that and stick that in this episode. I think that makes up for the uh, tradition of having a homebrew. It's something that doesn't happen every day, so I think that counts. So um, let's see where we are on time. Uh, ah, I still got 20 full minutes until the half hour edition. So I will talk about that as I'm doing it. So that'll probably be next. There's really nothing else to do. Much like most brews, you put in your 60 minute hops, you sit and wait, and then everything goes nuts at the last half, 15 minutes. So in this case, half hour. So I'll be back with that. Okay, as promised for, is it beer yet? Exclusive review of the clown crew brew which i had a hard time saying 
yelling <laughs> to the bartender <laughs> to get it at Halloween Horror Night. So here we go, first taste of it. Okay, well, I knew it was a wheat beer, and it's definitely got that hearty wheat taste, that mouthfeel. It's got a ton of spices, almost like a pumpkin ale. And I know it's not the pumpkin ale because I've had it before, so it's different than that. Let me try it again. Yeah, it's definitely sweeter than I would like at this event. Um, I'd like a nice uh, amber, well, I say amber about a hundred times each episode because apparently I like amber beers, but I like that, that richness. This isn't very rich. It's actually quite sweet, which is a little disappointing because our mixed drinks are super sweet. It's just another sweet drink, which is weird to say for a beer. It's not a bad beer. It's just not what I wanted. But oddly enough, well, where I'm standing, I just realized, I was going to say oddly enough, it's another good time of year, and I see what I want to talk about directly ahead of me, although I can't go across the lagoon because I think they'll throw me out. But I see Duff Gardens at Springfield. And what I was going to say about my favorite time of year is it's Dufftoberfest over there. And that's one of their best beers. So I'll probably get one of those before the night's through to make up for this. So maybe I'll give a bonus recording. Probably not because I'll probably sit at the bar hanging out. That's kind of like a chill out point for Halloween Hard Nights people. So um, yeah, let me, I'll give one more quick review on this. Oddly enough, I took a sniff of it that I hadn't done before. I can't smell those spices, but man, can I taste them. It is super sweet, actually, for a beer. So, not one I'm going to revisit. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> the one I brewed today is better than this. Uh, or, I, I should say, hopefully it's at least this and not worse. Because if it's worse, that's about the breaking point of me not being able to drink a beer. So, Alright, that's it for Clown Brew. Clown Crew Brew. Good thing I don't have to say that again. I'm going to saying it all night. And that's it for this beer tasting and this uh, Halloween Horror Nights, Catacombs Halloween Horror Nights Easter Egg on this episode of uh, Is It Beer Yet? Okay, we're at 35 minutes left in the boil, so we're coming up on that half hour mark. So I'm going to go ahead and explain the uh, recipe alteration I made because I'm going to need two hands to do it. Uh, I was reading more about adding these candy syrups to the, the whole process, and there doesn't seem to be a consensus on exactly when to do it. Uh, some people do it in the way I'm going to, was going to do it in the wet recipe, which was do it in secondary fermentation. Some people add it at 60 minutes. Some people add it at 10 minutes. Some people, everything in between, literally everything in between. So here's my feeling. I want to get a... Um, original, the starting gravity right. I don't see how it's going to be right when there's going to be sugar added to it later. I might be wrong. I might need to learn more about starting gravity. But mainly, mainly because of that and now having researched that people add this stuff at all different places, I'm kind of hedging my bets on either side and going with 30 minutes. It's not 60 and it's not post-fermentation. I should get flavor and aroma from what I've read from at 30 minutes. Um, maybe not as strong if I would add it at the end, but I also now opened it up and took a little taste and it is sweet. It is wicked sweet. It is way sweeter than I thought it was going to be and barely any tart to it. So this is definitely going to, um, putting the sugar in for the firm, for the yeast to eat. Hopefully it doesn't stress them out, but to, it'll probably burn off a little, a little bit, but more it'll be converted to alcohol right away. Um, it'll edge, they'll take the edge off some of that sweetness. We'll see this. I don't know. This recipe had three good successes in a row. 
I'm bound for a one of those, uh, I don't know, whatever, a trombone thing. I'm bound for a wah-wah brew, and this might be it. But that is the change I made. What do we got here? We got just a couple more minutes. I'm going to go ahead and put in the, um, I'm going to put in the syrup now and not do a secondary fermentation, which I still have yet to do. Maybe I will. I can still do a racking fermentation, and that might help clear stuff up. Um, that is something I wanted to try for a while, so, but it's not going to be to add this syrup. So I'm going to add this syrup, like I said, at the half hour mark and, uh, or 30 minute mark, well, same thing, and see what that does for this brew. So, uh, when I come back, I'll have had done that. I'll probably in, be into the last, uh, drops, which is going to be the Irish moss. Um, one more, so one more boil hop, one steeping hop, and then the last hop, of course, is a dry hop, so... Um, yeah, all right, I'll be back with more after this. I added the candy syrup, and now I'm having doubts about this brew, but we'll see. And another reason why I do two and a half gallons right now, because I have these brews that I'm not sure about. Um, yeah, uh, it was a little messy. It was actually, it wasn't too bad. Uh, a little spilled down the side, but I had a paper towel in my hand because it's a very... I guess it's made to dump the whole thing in all at once, but I was doing it little by little so I could stir it up, make sure it didn't stick, didn't fall to the bottom and where the heat is and then kind of turned into a nasty sugar crush. Crust? Sugar crush. That's something different. Sugar, um, sugar crust on the bottom of my brew pot. So I had a little bit of drippage down the side, but I had a paper towel and then I just threw the container out didn't even rinse it or anything so hopefully it doesn't attract ants but it's in a trash can with all kinds of other stuff that is gonna equally attract ants anyway so it doesn't matter um yeah i'm not sure about this we'll see i could be wrong but i don't know uh it didn't really seem to add to the aroma at all uh i'm sure it's gonna add to the alcohol con- content because it tastes like pure freaking sugar um so we'll see we'll see about getting down to the last 15 minutes. So I got the Irish moss. Um, which, uh, which hops do I have? I got a Cascade at five minutes. And then I have the that German one. All right. I'm not going to try it again. The German one is going to be a 10-minute steep. That's at flame out. So almost there. And then transfer to the carboy. And then wait two weeks and see what all this did. We're at the end of the boil, and I just dropped in the citra hops for the 10-minute steeping. They smell those hops, the citra hops. I should have recorded as I was uh, taking a, a sniff test, I guess you could call it. But they smell really good. Uh, definite, that's like, that is, I don't know how, how really to describe it. Citrusy, earthy, no real floral, no floral on that. But like a citrus, earthy hop. That's like kind of what you... At least what I think of when I think of a hop. Um, it's It smelled really good. I don't know what steeping does. I don't know if it adds flavor and aroma or both. I know dry hopping adds kind of both. This is not quite dry hopping because the temperature is way higher. It's like it's like making a tea out of it. Well, I mean, I'm adding you're adding to it because there's you're treating it like a tea, I guess. I'm kind of just dunking in the... Dunking in the citra hops and letting them sit for 10 minutes. And then I'll pull all the hop bags out. And I don't know. We'll see. I've never, never, this is three really new things on it. The um, first wort hops, steeping the hops, and adding that candy syrup. 
this could be a disaster or it could be something completely new or at least maybe something's I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm hoping for something a little different that's drinkable that I don't necessarily need to have to have again. Uh, although, I don't know, though. I mean, it wasn't that difficult to make. Uh, problem is, though, I, well, no, there's no real problem because at a half hour I put in the candy syrup. I did adjust the recipe. I just need to make that change. Other than that, everything else stayed the same. So, I was going to say, if I did some more on-the-fly changes, that'd be a different story. But I really didn't. In fact, I didn't at all. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. That's going to be a little while till we find that out, but not in this show. You'll find out pretty quick. So what are we at here? We've got probably seven and a half. We got seven and a half minutes. So I'm going to go ahead, get those finished, let that steep, pull them out and start cooling the wort down, then get it in the fermenter. I did actually, let me mention this. I did grab a tube. Um, some of my five, I think it's five eighth inch outer diameter tube. And I got that in the sterilizer. I'm going to put that in the plug instead of the airlock because I got a real feeling. We were so close to blowout with the Chance 3D Hopped IPA, and that didn't have anything extra sugar-wise in it. This has got so much more sugar in it for the yeast to munch on that the Krausen might blow out. So I went ahead and made that, cut that tube, and I got a, a bottle. I'm going to put sanitizer in and put the other end of the tube in in case there's a blowout because I think there's a potential this time for one more than any other time that I made made a, any of these beers. So I'm preparing for that. So with that, I'm going to go head out and finish this up and get it cooled down. Okay, I've got everything in the carboy. i got a good three plus gallons on it. I'm about to oxygenate it here. i got the oxygen stone in there and the oxygen canister. So I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. So I don't know if you heard that. Well, is the air going or the oxygen going into the stone? So I'm going to do that for about, I don't know, about a minute-ish. Because after after a minute, you're not getting any more oxygen than you would at that minute. It's uh, I saw someone describe it. described it as the law of diminishing returns. You get a ton of oxygen in the first minute. But then after that, like you don't get as much a percentage per second or whatever. I don't, I don't know what the calculation is. He didn't explain that, and that's fine. I didn't want to hear it. But uh, I understood what he was trying to say. So... Um, the color on this is amazing. I did not expect with the malts that I was using to get this uh, rich of an amber color. And I don't know if that has to do with the, the candied syrup is really light. So I don't know if, if boiling it down, it's something to do with it or what, but oh, I really like this color. This is a color, more of the color I was going for, for the, the news as test I did, but got it with this. So I got to remember that malt combination. So we'll see. So we're just coming up on a minute now. I'm going to go ahead and shut it off. It's got plenty of oxygen. The yeast will be quite happy with that. And I think that's done. Let me make sure. Yep, nothing else. That is done. Nothing else coming out of the oxygen, oxygen stone. So I'm going to take this out, rinse it off, and then uh, put the yeast in and put my potential blowout tube. Oh, I have to put in the dry, dry hop sack ready. So that's been boiled and sanitized. So that is ready to go. Just got to put the hops in and tie it off. And then I can pitch, pitch the yeast, put it in the dry hop sack, and see what happens. So I'll be back with a fermentation report. All 
All right, this is the toy I've been waiting to try for a couple of days now. This is the refractometer. And all I have to do is put a couple drops of the wart on the panel of this, close the lid, and then I'll get a, a uh, original or starting gravity reading. So I just took a couple, got the little eyedropper, probably got about 20 drops in here, which is more than I need, but there we go. Got two drops on there. I close the lid slowly so there's no bubbles. Okay, it's all flattening out. Now let me take a look. Let's see what we got here. Wow. Okay, that is really cool. I looked at th I looked through this before before having anything on it, and it was all blue. Now there's a distinct line at 1.050. I mean, it's like not even fading from one color to the other. That is the line so it's 1.5 or 1.050 for shits and giggles i'm gonna wipe this off sorry i'm moving the recorder around i'm gonna wipe this off and try again and see if i get the same result yep sure do same exact result this thing is neat. I don't know how it works, but I want to learn how it works now. I've seen people use these, and I never knew what they're looking at. Now, I, obviously, I do, and I really want to learn more about how this actually works because that is that's really neat. So, all right, original gravity one point zero five zero. I'm going to write that down, but I have it in a recording now, so that's good. So uh, then I'll get to use this again right before I keg and find out what the finishing gravity is and get the alcohol content. It is kegging day for hollow brew and I've got everything sanitizing. I drew just a little bit, like maybe a quarter cup of the beer from the fermenter, the unfermented beer, and I've got my refractometer. So we're going to get a finishing gravity and find out what percentage this beer is. So I'm going to go ahead and get the gravity reading now, get the number, and then come back and do the calculation because I'm going to have to keg in between there. But I wanted to get this done. First, because this will be the second, I guess second time, second time I'm able to get an accurate, uh, what do you call it, uh, gravity reading, but first time with a refractometer. So I just drew the beer, and I'm getting into the little eyedropper here, and I'm going to put two drops on the refractometer. All right, squeeze out the rest, and shut it. All right, see what I got here. Oh, I need a better light source. Let me turn on this dining light. All right, that is roughly... I'm saying roughly. It's a clear line, but where does that line fall? It's between... I'm going to call it 1.025 because it's just under that. The next is 1.02, so what the heck. 1.025. I don't remember what the starting gravity was because it's been two weeks ago, but I have it written down, so... 1.025, I'm saying it so I don't forget. Here's a way, oh look, a pen and some paper. 1.025, okay, I'll be back with the calculation to see how much, uh, what the alcohol percentage is of this beer. While I was cleaning up my refractometer, I still had that little quarter cup of beer and decided to give it a taste. Of course, it's flat. 
Uh, my biggest concern putting this together was that uh, blood orange candy syrup. It just I thought there's like it was so sweet, and I didn't taste much orange in it. Uh, if I did, it was like a candied orange, well, obviously, because it's a sugar sweet. So I was worried that there was going to be no blood orange taste. This was going to be a super sweet beer. Well, the, the taste I had, it wasn't much, but it was still enough to coat my tongue and my palate. Not sweet at all. In no way, shape, or form sweet. So that's good. And I certainly taste some blood orange. Not as strong as some of the blood orange ales and IPAs I've had this summer. And well, obviously, because they're made with blood oranges, but not bad. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised so far. So looking more forward to this beer than I was when I pulled it out of the fermenter today. So we'll see. I'm going to go ahead and sanitize all my lines so I can siphon this in, get it into the keg, um, force carbonate it so it's ready before Halloween, and then uh, I'll be back with uh, probably post-kegging, maybe a little bit of kegging here. I don't think we did any kegging the past two uh, episodes. Maybe we'll recap what I'm doing there, but I, I, got, I need two hands right now. So I'll get this, uh, some things sanitized here and move on to the next step. If you heard any of that, I began the siphon. Uh, I was going to talk about the color a little bit. It is a, oh, my poor dog. <laughs> we have, just for a quick story, we just got two new kittens. Uh, my wife mainly did, and the dog wants to play with them so bad, but they're scared to death of her, and that, that was her whimpering if you heard it. But anyway, I want to talk about the color of the beer. It's, uh, it is gold. It's a nice golden color with just a hint hint of a little bit of amber to it so it's just a little darker than that chance ipa we just talked about in the last episode so color's nice aroma's nice actually let's see if i can get a yeah is uh there is that's where the citrus the orange smell uh, the orange comes from it's definitely an aroma you can smell the orange it's a little hoppy well that only stands the reason it was dry hopped for five days so that's where that aroma is coming from but there's more orange in the aroma than the taste so far. We'll see. I still got to age it out. I didn't mention, and I should have, uh, last recording when I tasted it, there was that initial maltiness, and I think that's just going to happen with every all grain. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing. I haven't researched it, but it's been my experience now. This is fourth episode, fifth all grain I've done, and they all, except for the one, which I let, actually let sit for weeks, they've all been malty right after kegging. So I think it's always going to be almost mandatory to let it, age in the cake for a week to get rid of that but siphon's about halfway done i'm sure i have three gallons i'm sure i'll have no problem filling this two and a half gallon keg i think that i've gotten down i think i've gotten my uh, qu uh quantity down now i need to go for efficiency maybe the next one which i don't know what's going to be yet so anyone listening to this that has any suggestions give me a give me a suggestion i know there's a project me and dave from swick want to do now uh, it might be next but i'm always looking for something new Absolutely looking for something new to do in an all-grain brew, so go ahead and shoot me a message. Newsaz.com, contact form at the bottom of the page. Click that. I get all those messages. Uh, not because I'm a control freak, because I'm lazy and have not set up a connection for every person on the network. So go ahead and send me a message there. If you have a suggestion, I'll take it. Or on Facebook, of course. Um, that's about it. I'm going to let this... Uh, now we're getting to the point where the siphon is going to start dipping uh, the... Beer's gonna be the low siphon, so I gotta keep my. Uh, I gotta pay attention here. I gotta keep it above the true, but below the beer line. So I need two hands. So I'll be back. All right, kegging's done, and that like 
was filling it no problems. I'm curious to see how much beer I have left in the other keg. So I'm maybe I'm not on my numbers as well as I thought. This is filled to the brim. I actually had to put a rag and sanitizer so I could wipe up the gunk, the foam, a little bit of foam. It's probably mostly star sand. Eh, it's probably a mixture of star sand and beer off the uh, lid so it wouldn't seal it sugary shut. So um, anyway, I'm hooking up the CO2 line to my keg. Purge all the last bit of alcohol, uh, <laughs> I said alcohol, oxygen out of here so I can store this, get it cold, and get it ready for carbonation. So I'm going to purge the CO2 here a little bit or the air. I'm going to do that like four times. One more time just for good measure. Okay, I'm going to let that fill until the regulator stops. Which it has. I'm going to turn my regulator off, unhook the tube, and give the outside a quick wipe down again because it did damn near overflowed. Alright. I don't want the, uh, it is a rubber top corny keg, so I can just peel the gunk off if it, if it, the sugar solidifies, but why not try to nip it in the butt? Oh, yeah. Okay. Heavy keg. <laughs> it's only two and a half gallons. It's not that heavy, but I just was swinging it around uh, empty just moments ago. So I kind of was expecting that weight and realized, oh, wait, that's not the weight it is anymore. All right. It's in the keg. I'm going to have to force carbonate this one to get it ready by Halloween, I guess. So, but right now, let's get at the temperature before we do that. All right. I'm going to see... How much beer is left in the uh, transfer keg? So they purge the air out first, or the CO2. All right. There's about a half a glass of worth of beer in the filter. That's normal. Oh my goodness. Yes, that is. I just said, oh my goodness. I usually don't. If you've heard other Neo's shows, you know that. I guess I'm trying to keep this family friendly, though families probably shouldn't be drinking beer. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. I don't know what that is. It's a lot more than I expected. I'm going to rough measure it. I'm going to empty that keg into a uh, measuring cup. See how many cups I got. My numbers might not be what I thought they were. Which is fine, I guess. Uh, I'm still learning. No expert. It's barely been six months. Maybe maybe eight at this point. I don't even know when I started. So, alright, well... That's it for kegging, really. And that is it for kegging. All I need to do is carbonate it and then drinking it. So we'll be back probably building up the tasting. I'm not going to say tasting is next, but we're getting there. I got a lot of cleaning to do, as usual. And I don't record that because it's boring. So I'll be back. All right, I just did the calculations based after the refractometer uh, readings and it says this beer is 3.25%. I find that hard to believe with the amount of sugar that's in there, but I, it could be or it could not be. I mean, I don't know. I may have used the refractor meter wrong or uh, there is a calibration process. Um, I didn't do that because it was fresh out of the box. Maybe I needed to. I tend not to read instructions when I buy new things, <laughs> which is probably a bad thing. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't really, can't really measure it again now that I got it under pressure and carbonation. It's not going to be the same readings, but, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I don't know. I don't think it's 3.25%. I don't think it's like a 10%er or even 9%. Um, I'm just, there's 
about the amount of grains that I use and the ones that I get around 5% alcohol and their sugar added. So I'm thinking, I don't know, it says 3.25%. I would expect it to be more like 6.5%, maybe 7%, but that's what the numbers are. We'll, uh, you know what, I'll, I know what will, uh, hmm, this is actually a good idea. I'm glad I'm recording this because I will forget. The Chance 3D IPA which has been an episode ago. I think it was the episode before this. I knew that was 5.2%. So I'm going to use the refresh. I'm going to make that again because it's just a good IPA, even if it's a Halloween one. It probably won't be for another few brews, but when I do that, I'll see what numbers I get and see if they're as off. If that actually comes out to 5.2%, then I know this one was 3.25. But if it gives me some weird numbers, I got some work to do with the refractometer. But I'll probably run through any kind of calibration process with it before then. Maybe I'll do a, actually, you know what I'm going to do next brew? If I remember, uh, well, I'm recording it, so I should remember it. I'm going to do both. I'm going to use the uh, the usual um, hydrometer and the refractometer and see what the differences are. So, all right, well, that is the first brew I use the refractometer on, so there's probably still a learning process. Everything I, I can't ever say that I've used anything the first time right in this process and that's part of learning the hobby so uh, that is it just wanted to make that note and then i'll be back it is initial tasting time for the newsas.com halibrew blood ale 2016 edition so it's been almost a week at kegging i usually like to have a taste right after I force carbonate, and then a week later to see how the maltiness laid out. But it's two days short of a week. Been really busy this week, like really busy. So didn't really get a chance to uh, even fit in a tasting. As weird as that sounds, uh, maybe at not an appropriate time. Let's say I was in and out, and I didn't. Even though I'm just gonna have a taste, I didn't want to, you know, head to my next destination with beer on my breath. That wasn't be appropriate for what I was doing. Anyway. Um, Okay, I'm going to taste now. Um, what I do need to do is, I did clean these lines heavily. Like, gave everything a good rinse after the weekend we had with the Halloween Horror Nights brew. So I'm going to draw a line's worth of beer to make sure I get all the cleaning. Actually, the cleaning should be agent should be rinsed out. Should have been rinsed out with hot, hot, hot water. But this will make sure it is. So I'm going to do that real quick. Okay, that's definitely enough. So I'm going to set that aside. Now I'm going to draw a, just a, this is a, I use a whiskey tumbler for my tastings because I'm not going to draw a whole glass because usually it's the first taste is malty and I'm not going to quite drink it yet. So I'm going to fill this a little bit up here and then give it a taste. Okay, so it is, <laughs> it's got quite a head on it from the forced carbonation, so I'm going to let it settle here for a little bit. Um, yeah, it's settling pretty quick, though, so this will just take a second. Okay, that's definitely settled enough to drink, so let's take a good look at the color here. This is very golden. It is... Possibly, I don't know. I should. I, I need to set up some kind of like a little photo uh, box to take pictures of these because I don't know. 
I was going to say it's lighter than the chance, but it might not be. It might be a little darker. It's hard to tell because I don't have the chance. I'm out of the chance. I can't do them side by side. It's in the family. It's a golden with just a, it's like if you took a, uh, like a lager and just put a drop of an amber coloring in it to give it a golden color. Definitely not, um, definitely not the lager gold, but definitely not an amber ale. And not really in between. It's just a, just a hint of it. So, looks really good. I like the color. Let me see what it smells like. Okay, the smell is really good. It is, it's got just a hint of hops that hits me in the back of the nose, but then, like, almost right next to that, I almost, can almost, my imagination is envisioning, like, two lines of, uh, uh, I don't want to say odor fumes, but that sounded disgusting. Like, if, if they were like little lines, if you could see the uh, aromas coming off the glass, it'd be like two, one of hops and one of orange. That's what I was getting to. So that orange that I was worried was going to be super sweet, at least aroma-wise, is really good. Let me, I'm going to take another sniff. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like when I capture the hops and think about it, I smell the hops, and when I look for the orange, my brain locks onto the orange, and I smell the orange. It smells really good. So, I think the only thing left to do is give it a taste here. Okay, that's... There's no malt taste, which is interesting. It might be because it's almost a week. Not a lot of orange taste, but a little bit of hoppiness. Let me taste it again. I'm trying to taste orange, and I'm not really getting it. I'm getting some malt on the uh, aftertaste now, finally, after two sips. But the hops, I can't remember what hops are in here. It's not a very strong hop. I know we dry hop something. I want to say citra, but I'm not entirely sure that's right. Um, again, this was three weeks ago, almost. It'll be three weeks ago tomorrow, or uh, two days from now. But it's still good. It's actually, it's a... Uh, I'm going to taste it one more time. Smooth is, I'm going to say that. It's really smooth. It's actually quite, it's kind of, uh, kind of refreshing. This is a good daytime. Uh, this would have been good to make one I started brewing when it was really super hot out. The temperature's gotten better, but as luck would have it, grains are going to arrive tomorrow. As of this recording, I'll be working on the next one, so even though... I might be brewing in like 75 degree weather. I'll still be over a 212 degree boiling pot. So this is going to be a nice beer to talk about. So you'll probably hear more about this in the following episode. But so far, actually, you know what? I'm going to call this the final tasting because I know that little malt, actually the third sip I had, there's no malty aftertaste. So that's like definitely leveling out and it'll level out by the last two, um, last two uh, uh, days. That's what we're looking for. So not, I will say, okay, so... Good beer, good beer to taste, tastes good, but it's not what I wanted, so this is kind of a flop. It's almost an accidental success, but I really wanted a blood orange beer. I don't have a blood orange beer. I've got a hopped Pilsner. I can go with that. I don't have a blood orange beer. So even though I have a beer I'm going to drink and enjoy, and actually I'm liking it, this isn't what I wanted. So this is, I'm going to call this episode the first flop. Um, 
just as my target goal. So I could save this recipe, make this something else, but it seems like all that work I did to put in that blood orange candy syrup was for nothing. So this recipe is going to go in the flop file, but uh, it's one heck of a flop. So very strange thing. So I, I really got to, I'm happy. I'm happy it's a drinkable beer, but it's not what I wanted. So, all right. Well, um, that I guess is it. So there you go. Blood orange ale halibut is a flop, a flop that I'll happily drink and probably drink through pretty quickly and we'll enjoy on Halloween. So there you go. There's a, there's a tasting review. Well, there it is. Newsaz.com Blood Ale, no, Hollow Brew Blood Ale 2016. This is a weird one because it's a complete fail on what I wanted. It's nothing like I wanted at all. It's, I wouldn't even say it's really close. I mean, I've had a couple more glasses since then, uh, since that tasting, and it's still, there's no orange to be tasted. And you can barely smell it. I think the hops are really enhancing the smell of the orange, and I'm probably smelling more of the hops. But even with saying all that, it's still a good beer. Like I just said, I had a few glasses last night. It's a good beer, It's but it's not what I wanted. And it was so much more work to do than a uh, a beer without the candy syrup that I wouldn't do it again that way because that's just a lot of work and extra ingredients to not get what I wanted. I can probably get a beer as good as it is, with a lot less work, is what I'm trying to say. This is a very weird episode uh, as far as the end result, so I don't know what to say um, other than that. I will say I did have three glasses last night, and I don't know if it's a tolerance thing. I don't think so. I'm really not drinking more now that I'm home brewing than before, mainly because I'm counting super counting calories, and I never really felt the effects of it, so I don't know how this could be possible, but that gravity reading might be right. I don't see. I just don't see how, knowing the what chemistry I'm learning with brewing, how that can be that low with all that sugar in there. But maybe it is. Maybe that was right. Maybe it's a super low uh, alcohol beer. I don't know. Um, I'm going to try. Like I said, uh, next brew, I'm going to use the refractometer and the oh, the other thing. Oh my god! Well, I just that shows you how early of a brewer I am. I cannot think of what that thing is called. Hydrometer. Hydrometer, son of a gun. I thought of it in the end, but not long enough before I called myself out. So I'm going to try the refractometer and the hydrometer and see if the numbers match up. Um, and then after that, um, well, not after that, but when I do get around to doing the Chance 3D IPA again, which will happen before Halloween because it was such a good beer, then I'll try the refractometer and see exactly what's going on. I have not read the instructions like I said I was going to, but I will between now and the next time I need to measure a beer, which is actually going to be tomorrow of this recording. I'm recording another episode, so you'll have that to look forward to. With that, I will say thank you for listening. Uh, check out, if you're new to the show, check out all the other episodes. This is number four with a fifth in process as we speak. I actually started recordings on it, even though I haven't actually cracked open the grains, but recordings have already started, so there's at least one more to come. We do a ton of other shows on Neos as I just hesitate to even try to name them because I always forget, but they're... Uh, take a look you're bound to find something you like especially if you have any interest in pop culture because we cover a wide variety of pop culture subjects in our uh list our catalog of podcasts we're on facebook at neos as podcast and our twitter handle is at neos as so if you're a home brewer and you have something to share or maybe a question that i might be able to answer or more likely we'll find out the answer together if we're both new brewers um go ahead and ask send me a message that's i'd love to hear from you 
And you can also reach me and everyone at neozaz.com. There's a contact page, the connection for it. It's at the bottom of the index page. It's actually the bottom of every page. So click on that and shoot us an email. All right, with that, I will say one more time, thank you for listening. I'll be back with another episode of Is It Beer Yet? very soon. Uh, really, the only limitation on that is how long it'll take to ferment. And once the fermenta- fermentation is done and I taste it, I'll be back with a new episode. So one more time, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in that next episode. Yeah.